It's the Tiltcast episode 559, Edging. And this week, guys, we give you more Baldur's Gate 3. I'm so pumped. More Starfield goodness. It's, and it's some good. news. Stay tuned. I just want to finish. You're just going to have to wait. Oh. Uh, I've got no fizzies. This I, is the Tiltcast. All I've got I is have hot fizzies, sauce. but I have no idea if it's picking up or not. All I've got is hot sauce. Uh, that doesn't fizz. No, it does not. Liquid but it's death. tasty. It but is. It's very tasty. It's an M-rated show. It's the Tiltcast, and we are back. It is September 17th at 2 o'clock on a Sunday, Central Time, at about 84 degrees. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. I'm Rusty. The three of us are going to get about 30 minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games, some news, but mostly games today. Very little news. We're in the middle of some really big games. Um, Rusty's very annoyed because I pulled him from beating Baldur's Gate to record this episode. You are you are really, really annoying me right now. I want to jump through the internet and slap the piss out of you. This is the worst fucking time. Like, literally the worst fucking time. You're like, we got to record the podcast right the fuck now. And I'm like, dude, right now? And he's like, yeah, right now. And I'm like, dude, I am at the point where it asks you, would you like to beat the game? There's a button you have to click that's like, would you like to beat the game? And I'm like, right there. And you're like, oh, I got to record this podcast like right now. And I'm like, damn it. This is 120 hours culmination, and I want to play. I want to this You've got 30 minutes of credits by itself. I don't give a fuck. I want to play this game. Like, you might as well, like, get dinner started. Like, pause right before you think there's going to be a credits, and then just eat dinner while you... Because there's after credit scenes. That's, of course there's after credit scenes. It's a long game. Look, I have had nothing but fucking joy this entire time playing this game and I, I mean to put it in sexual terms you have you are blue balling the fuck out of me right now so well, it's we call it edging edging <laughs> state Sting calls it uh, tantric stimulation. Oh my god, no, I don't really want to be tantric right now. I just want to be done with this. I want to play Starfield on ice. I haven't touched that other game because I want to beat this one. Just think how much bigger the joy load's going to be at this point. It's not. It's not. It's it's not. Why? Why? I'm... I hate it. This is... This sucks. <laughs> We're going to have you so worked up by the end, Rusty, you're just what happens you're this this is the equivalent of like not thinking you're gonna get that date with that girl that's like you know three levels outside of your league you definitely said you're going to get some and uh we show up at your front door and we're like hey um my brakes my brakes just went out i really need help i know it's a long job but you're really reliable so uh can you come help us fix the brakes and you're just sitting there going like with a really good mechanic (laughs) Well, unfortunately, nobody knows Kim's voice the way they know your voice on this show, so <laughs> you're it. God damn it. 
Jason, you're you're still in Act Two, right? Yeah, I'm still in Act Two. I didn't hardly get any game time this last week, so um, it's been. I'm just now starting to get to the point where um, uh, I'm my lower back's not completely wrecked if I spend more than an hour sitting in a computer chair. Um, from when I heard it a couple weeks ago, so uh, I just kind of really started getting back into it yesterday. You and your old man back. Man. Hey, man. It could happen to you. We're all at the age where you can you can fart wrong and throw your back out. I don't know. I So, you know, I do a a lot of really random things with my dog because my dog brings out the kid in me. And pull my ass. (laughs) Damn. I, uh, she was really excited yesterday and I, you know, I've been gaming a lot the last few weeks and I've been trying to make time to just like focus on my dog and play with her a little bit and stimulate her a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for whatever reason, I got a really random idea. I was like, I wonder if I can still ninja roll. No. And so I started doing ninja rolls down my hallway and my dog was barking and jumping all over the place and thought it was awesome, I guess. Um, at the end of it, though, my back was very sore. I had to, like, stretch my whole body out. Like, I had to go and do, like, you know, the downward dog trying to, like, stretch those muscles out because they haven't been rolled like that in a while. But uh, that concrete's really hard underneath my carpet. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah, but there, there, there's a bit of difference between bruising your back, sir, and, you know, feeling the almost audible pop in it when you lift something. Oh, I'm not saying I hurt my back. I'm, I'm proving quite the opposite, that as an older man, I can still do ninja rolls down my hallway. Oh. I mean, and not do much more than just make my back sore because I'm out of shape. Prick, I'm better than you. Prick, prick, prick. I mean, you're not my favorite person right now, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) You, uh, (laughs) like, you've been going full Albear with your character, is that right? No, 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 no. I'm I'm a paladin. Uh, my my player character is a paladin. That's right. You have a character. It's a druid in your party. Yes, yes. And I have a I have a character in my party that is a druid. But you've been it's, doing uh, the the Albert dive roll or dive bomb thing. Dive bomb butt flop. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, because the physics calculation that also does a certain level of damage based on how high you jump to, right? It doesn't matter really. It does. So I've heard that there's a pretty tall structure in Act 2, and you can send your druid up to the top, and you don't take fall damage if you dive bomb in owlbear form, and you can like do like a thousand damage dive bombing from the top of the tower. Yeah, but nobody really wants to do that shit. Yeah, there's a couple of videos of people jumping off the top of that and uh, dive bombing things and doing yes. massive damage which is hilarious. But you only need to do like 250 damage to kill any one thing in the game, so Ah, um, uh, there's a few things with you know, 666 health. Okay, yeah, yeah, there is there is that. He's a, he's, he's a prick too. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, 
the music during that fight, great. Best music in the game. Yes. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just so many good things. I am, oh, I, I can't even look at my screen right now. You asked. Yeah, it's a solid 4-9 for me. Um, it, is, it is, it's right there, man. Like, I think it's definitely one of my favorite games. Well, so far, easily the top contender for game of the year. Like, at this point, easy. it's an argue, argue for second and third place. Yep. Um, is, I don't know that anything else coming out this year is going to achieve the same level of solid solid writing that was done for this game. And, and here we were thinking that well, Starfield was going to be the top spot. Baldur's Gate was just going to be kind of like a, a number two. I was thinking even maybe a number three, because when I first played it, I was like mildly impressed. I was like, eh, it's not as good as Divinity. But like in the alpha, they didn't have a lot of the story exposition. So it was more of a mechanical playthrough kind of thing. So you didn't really have a good grasp on what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you get into it, like after playing the beta, and I played the beta pretty early. So like right when it released, I was kind of like, yeah, it's going to be, it'll be definitely worth the money. But I don't know how good it's going to be. And then it drew me in, right? Um, I had a different amount of game time last month than I did this month. I had a lot of things. Um, photo stuff I had to do last month. Of course, you were down here for over a week. We did a lot of multiplayer gaming. There's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff to do around the house. We had a couple of... I had a lot of people over at the house, so I had a lot less game time last month. But I was able to complete it inside of a month, and I think I said I had about 105 hours or something. I got about 120. Um, yeah. I can actually save right now, and I'll be able to tell. 127. So you, you found some things to do or were more methodical with a couple of things than I was. Yeah. It was it was more of a it was, it was more of a uh I want to find all the little que- uh the quest interactions. So I went and did a bunch of you know, bunch of the shy shit. I if I had one if I had a couple of complaints with the game, is uh inventory management is decent yep. but still a slog. And the uh when you get to Baldur's Gate, finding your quests is a slog because you got to talk. The start of that, of level three, act three, is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of talking. And some of it's really good and some of it's kind of mid. And so, and some of it you don't know why. You're just talking to people. And in your head as a player, you're not RPing, or at least I'm not. And I'm just like, I want to find where the quests are in this area. Right. So, so let me spend an, two hours talking to every NPC in this area. And then after a while, I kind of ran out of steam and then just kind of followed the indications that the quests were telling me to go to talk to people. So I probably missed a couple of quests that you found because I just got sick of talking to everybody. Yeah, there was, there was one quest that I was, you know, that I had completely missed. Oh, yeah, um, that we were talking about last night. And I was like, did you yeah. do this thing? And you're like, huh? I was yeah, like, you, right. you need to do that thing. And uh, you it finally found the to, quest. It was like the only person you hadn't spoken to. Right. It, and it leads to a really, you know, actually interesting battle that, you know, that, that takes some brain power to fi- figure out. Um, One of the hardest battles in the game, honestly. I, it I, was. Yeah. I think you beat most of the bosses in that area, too, right? But yeah. 
Yeah, yeah without yeah. naming names, like would you compare would you compare that particular NPC's story quest to be harder than those fights? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. You yeah, thought those cause... boss fights would be hard, and then you played that fight, and I was like, yeah, that's one of the hardest fights in the game. And then you probably went and did those other two boss fights, and were like, this wasn't hard at all. <laughs> Three rounds for the other bosses. Yeah, because uh, yeah. the key to this game is haste potions or haste spell. Yeah. Um, and a fighter or a barbarian. Dude, or six sor- attacks in a round is pretty nuts. Or a sorcerer <laughs> with twin spells. Yeah. The, the more attacks you can get in on a round in this game, the better off you are in combat. Oh yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter like how big like even the AOE stuff like is decent, but I found myself like single target sniping a lot of shit and using AOE to to area of denial more than I did for uh, straight damage. All of my AOE yeah. stuff was all basically like a trap, you know, like that. So arms of hater or the clouds of darkness, that weird warlock spell that. Creates a cloud that does stuns with electricity and then creates like ice. <laughs> like right. it's, it's, it doesn't do a lot of damage, but man, it just like shrinks everybody's actions down to almost nothing. It's, yeah, it uh, it's amazing. Just, just something as simple as darkness changes how you, uh, how you attack, uh, how you defend, how do you, how you get around the fucking battlefield, how the enemies, you know, deal with it. I mean, having a sorcerer with dar- and having the darkness spell is a little OP because then you can just use distant spell and cast darkness far enough away from your party that it doesn't affect any of them, but fucks everybody else up. So you it's can great. Set yourself up with an evocation wizard that has. Um, the uh the the specialty of uh oh fuck what was it um spell shaping uh which allows you to cast fireballs that you know that all of your party automatically saves against so you can cast AOEs over your party members and it doesn't hurt party members yeah that oh, part's nice. pretty awesome that's yeah, pretty great like cone of cold the entire like you get all of your fighters into one spot. All the enemies, you know, gather around the fighters. Your fucking wizard just casts Code of Cold and kills them all in one shot. Great. Yeah, positioning's a thing, and then using your rogue really tactically is another good strategy, too. The invisibility potions are pretty helpful. Yep, um, and uh, knowing how to check, uh, check vision cones, like... Oh yeah. I don't know how you do it on the uh on the controller, but if you hold shift, you can check vision cones before going into hiding. So you can position your your rogue outside of vision, go and do uh your hide so that you can get a nice sneak attack off. It's uh but yeah, the strategies in that game are endless though. I could sit here on different <laughs> strategies all fucking day. Good. yeah it's a it's a really good game like I'm glad it finally came out I'm glad that it released in a good state like I'm just glad overall I um, ran only into like some very minor bugs uh, there was one bug where I couldn't unequip a staff 
from a druid. And apparently it's a known bug. The only way to unequip it is to shapeshift. Try to equip a different staff in that same slot, which it'll tell you you can't because you're shapeshifted. And then unshapeshift, and then it'll let you unequip the staff. It's a weird bug. But it's like not game breaking, you know? Yeah. So it's overall, it's been fairly, you know, bug light as far as, uh, you know, how this, uh, how this game plays out. It's, it's damn near perfect in my eyes. So I don't want to beat it. I really want to beat it. Yeah. You'll get your chance soon. <laughs> you're almost you're almost there you're almost there and then when we're done this evening i'll we'll get a ping that you finally beat it you'll beat it today of course i'll beat it today i mean we can if you, if you hadn't have gotten you know gotten me on the mic i mean we could I'm review done. we could go in depth with everything that was talked about at pax months <laughs> last month <laughs> But we weren't going to do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump through the internet, dude. <laughs> I mean, what are some of the other things that we could do? <laughs> we could go into like just you know the perfect the perfect builds in Baldur's Gate. <laughs> be like one of those YouTubers that like gives you like all these ridiculous, stupid. Perfect build. Before we do, please like, share, and subscribe. Like, share, and subscribe. Yeah, like, share, and subscribe. I'm gonna be doing these build videos for the next week. Oh God. <laughs> Buddy. Yeah, we're not no. gonna do that. Stop. Um. <laughs> I I have the ability to turn the internet off. This game will continue to play. <laughs> So, I mean, other than that, I've just been meddling my way through Act 2. Um, I'm finally going after the artifact that the Absolutes send you after. Ran into Raphael for the third or fourth time. God, what a douchebag. He is, he's a supreme douchebag. I feel like he's... Did you guys ever watch uh, American Gods? Yes. Do you remember who was the voice? Who was the actor for Odin? Oh, um, I know it's not that guy, but he sounds a hell of a lot like him. I can see his face, but I can't remember his name. Older Uh, guy, like he's probably in his eighties at this point. Yeah. Ian McShane. Yeah. He sounds a lot like him. I really like that guy as an actor. He's a, he has a really unique voice. Oh, yeah. For anybody who didn't watch American Gods, he also played the uh, the manager of the Continental in the John Webb films. Yeah. Yeah. He's an awesome actor. But, yeah, um, the voice actor for Raphael, and if you get far enough in, you'll know who we're talking about. He's does a stellar job. 
um, of being a douchebag. <laughs> he, is, he is very much of a douchebag. His name is uh, uh, Andrew Wincott. Not as cool a name. And uh, <laughs> let me uh, let me see here. He does a lot of video video game uh, voices. Is he doing? Has he done anything else recently that we would know? Uh, let's see. <laughs> he, he is a, he is a voice in uh uh Dark Tide. Really, he is a he is a chaos ogre in Dark Tide. Um, wow. Let's see. He really got knocked down a peg in that. It must have been like an afternoon. I need you to need you to record about six lines here, buddy. Uh, dying light staying human, dying light two staying human. He's uh, a bunch of different voices there. Oh, so he just gets. So this must have been one of the first roles where he had a lot of a lot of dialogue. Yeah. He. I'm just kind of going through it. Pillars of Eternity, Dark Fire. Uh, Pillars oh. of Eternity Two, Dead Fire. Uh, he was he played Guardian Ukaizo. Ukaizo, yep. Or Ifrin, hero. So this is probably his biggest role, and he probably didn't. When they were making this game, they didn't know what kind of success it was going to be either. So I'm Watson in the Sherlock Holmes games. For anybody who's actually played those, they're not that good. He played voice actors in Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin Two. So he's a he voiced several characters. He's a yeah. So he's a Larian go to. Yeah, and I think just the success of this game, like a lot of the people they've used, are probably smaller voice actors because they, like Divinity Original Sin, was probably two. One was a pretty decent success. Two was a pretty resounding success, but even at its height, I don't think they had more than 100,000 concurrent players on Steam with Divinity Original Sin 2, which is an excellent game. Mm -hmm. um, like, they've done more than 10 times the business with this game versus the others. Yeah, well... I, this I, is like their breakout hit to really give them the funding to do whatever they want. I know it took them a long time to actually get this game right. Uh, and I yeah, know it's been in how we're headed in early access for a long time to kind of get everything, you know, worked out. But I'm hoping that they can take some of the systems that they uh, that they've got here and roll with it. And I mean, I think there are is, 250 voice actors in that game. The fact that they got J.K. Simmons to play one of the characters. Well, that's that's kind of crazy. What I what I like about the you know the idea of Baldur's Gate three being successful is it shows, uh, you know, it shows wizards that there is a possibility for a revival for some of these uh the older uh D and D computer games. Yes, I mean, there is, but you can't try to push one of these out every uh. Two years or even three years. No, it takes a long time. It, you gotta give these games proper development time. Every five or six years, mm -hmm. I think is I think is perfect. Well, if if I wanted you to know. see like uh, a Neverwinter or uh, like an Icewind Dale or anything like those uh, those games come out, if they use similar systems, 
you know, to Baldur's Gate 3. Like, I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of work that went into the engine for this, right? You know, getting the dice roll systems working right. You know, I would be perfectly fine with using the same UI and the same interaction and just building out campaigns in Icewind Dale or Neverwinter and it looked very similar as long as the story is up to par, you know? You know, so you've got the you've got the tools, you build the story behind it, roll with it. Like you don't uh, I wouldn't say pump them out every year because nobody wants to see that done. Um I would say that probably you know, a three year cadence on these would be fine. Um and you know, use one of those years to kind of like work with the community and make sure that it's right. I don't want it to be as long as Boulders Gate three is. You know, or I didn't want to wait as long as Boulders Gate three, but if it's gonna be of the same quality, I'll wait however long it takes, you know? Yeah, but several games around the forty hour length would be would whet the appetite. And if they had other studios that were close to the same par, that would be nice. It's yeah. it's good for the CRPG revival. It means that Obsidian has license to do another one of these if they want to, because they did the Pillars games, right? And right. they met some success with that, but not to the level that Baldur's Gate by any measure, right? Like well, We're talking like maybe one twentieth of the success of Baldur's Gate. This this actually, you know, because it runs off of, you know, the um uh the D and D rule sets and has a lot of the you know, like the characters and story, you know, and setting already, you know, there, it's a it's something that you can, you know, easily realize. It's harder to sell a brand new IP like, you know, Pillars of Eternity, for instance, because you have to completely learn the new world, but for a person who already knows a bit about D&D, being able to see things like, oh my god, I'm walking, I'm actually walking through Boulder's Gate. That makes me, like, that That I hits mean, different. He, he, here's a telling. Hmm? For a month and a half at this point, two months almost, right? Baldur's Gate 3 is still the third most, is the third highest game on Steam as far as concurrent player count. Yeah. That tells you something. I think the, I think the entire landscape was starved for it. Um, well, and the fact that they, I think the, Obviously, I think the the growth of TTRPGs over the pandemic and in the couple years after, um, I think um, the time was right not just to pull in the hardcore RPG fans like the three of us to Baldur's Gate. But people who never played um, an RPG on PC or console are playing this game. Yeah, this is... This it, is it just huge. the time was right for it. 
Well, I think it's it's a convergence. It's new D and D. It's uh, you know, it's Larian, which I mean, they're they're really good at doing what they're doing. They're kind of purpose built for this kind of game. Uh, and D&D is purpose-built for this kind of game, so it was just kind of like a marriage of all the right things happening all at the same time. Um, that, and they've got some, you know, they've got, a, you know, some good story chops behind this, uh, and I can tell you the twists uh, are uh, are interesting as well, so. Yeah, I was uh, a little bit a little bit mad initially with some of the twists and then it kind of grew on me. Well, I, I, I want to get to a, uh, a point where we can do a spoiler cast for it because I'm pretty sure my playthrough is different than yours. So. I'm yeah. I mean, I'm pretty close. I'm going to start hitting it hard again. So we can. Yeah, it's, it's a game deserving of a spoiler cast. Absolutely. But speaking of... Uh, and speaking of big achievements, Justin finished Starfield. Yeah. Um, working on playthrough three right now. Um, Jesus, you went through that those first couple uh, New Game Pluses uh, pretty fast. So I'm not going to spoil anything because the surprise in Starfield and... It's a better twist than Baldur's Gate. I'm going to say that. I know that's going to be pretty controversial, but it's a better twist by a country mile. Um, it's a better twist than any game I've ever played, honestly. Um, so first playthrough took me about four and a half days worth of playtime. So about 120 hours. So roughly it's about the same length as Baldur's Gate. Um, if you beat it, there is a way to... You get additional tools at your disposal to play the game again um, when you go into New Game Plus. So, kind of like, uh, this is not too spoilery. So, one of the things that carries over, right? So, like, you know, if you play, uh, I'm trying to think of other games that do this. The Souls games, right, have a New Game Plus mode, right? And in doing so, you keep all of your... In Souls, you keep all of your weapons because and, and your levels. Um, you don't keep your weapons, but you keep your experience as far as what you've researched. Not the worlds that you've landed on, but like what you've researched and what abilities you've specced into. Um, and there's some other things that carry over that would be incredibly spoilery to talk about. But the game changes every time you redo it. and and in an effort to get it to change a lot, um, I did a. There's a way to speed run it through New Game Plus after you've beaten the game um, to get the change that I wanted. But every time you do it, that change is different than the last time, and it's not on a set path of what would change. Um, so. It's like it does a random roll on on what the effect is on your game world. And that affects a lot of things in your playthrough. And 
there is a consensus out there to play the main story as fast as possible to get to that. And I completely disagree with that. Um, I will do a, my damnedest to not spoil anything because I think it's a pretty cool reveal. But um, my best optimized way to play this to have the most enjoyable um, playthrough of this is to play through, like I said, to get to your Fuzuro moment, right? Like every Bethesda game kind of has a moment where you really understand what your role is in the story. So you need to do that in this game, which means you need to play the main quest and you need to unlock all the main companions. And after you unlock all the main companions, do whatever you want. Um, but like an optimal way to me to play through the game, because you actually get a lot of XP from completing quests, but you also get a lot of XP from killing things. Um, you can get, there's, the scope of this game is very, very, very broad. Um, it is not a simulator at all. And so comparisons to Star Citizen, which is a trash unfinished game. Um, I don't think that's a hot take. There's just a handful of people that have spent thousands of dollars that think it's the best thing ever. Um, and it's been in development for it's been unfinished for the last 15 years they are never going to finish it they're just sucking up people's money yeah i don't as much as i like wing commander right and i like the or i did used to like that company quite a bit um i've really been disappointed with what they're doing but a lot of people are compared to different sim games and it's not a sim game to my knowledge, like right now, it's the most complete space RPG you'll ever play. And that, if you'll notice, I'm saying space RPG because that's what it is. It's an RPG. Um, it's a sandbox RPG, but it's an RPG. It's not a simulator. And I was talking to Rusty about this last night. So on Elite Dangerous, um, it's a cathartic grind, but it's a grind nonetheless. You don't have good interactions with NPCs. It's all text. You kind of have to read a lot of lore online to kind of understand what's going on and read the message boards and read the official news releases that frontier releases, um, cosplaying as the, you know, galactic news or whatever they call it. Gal- is it called Galnet or something like that? Galnet, yeah. And you have to really read between the lines to figure out what's going on and understand that you doing things system to system affects these things in very small money ways. But a lot of that loop is flying and doing a lot of flying because it's all real-time flying. Like, it's as close to real-time as you could possibly get. Um, Even super cruise, like, there's a lot of times where you spend 40 minutes doing nothing in that game um, but flying. And and in that that case, like, it's great because it's kind of like playing Euro Truck Simulator. Because you just kind of put on a good podcast and you kind of go on a straight line. And then occasionally in the middle of that, you get interrupted by pirates or something like that. You got to fight your way out or boost your way out or whatever. And the combat that's in that game is very good. Um, It's the best space flying ever. Um, But the the moment to moment gameplay of that is is not great. And the surface exploration stuff is not great. It takes hours to do the surface exploration stuff in that game. Um, And then figuring out what to do with Thargoids without a really good guide online is next to fucking impossible to figure out on your own. It's ridiculously hard. We've all put a lot of time into it. Um, 
when back in the day, like TVGP was also putting a crazy amount of time into it as well. Like both casts really liked that game for what it was, but I've burned myself the hell out and they screwed up VR. So I'm not going to go back. Right. And then you got the, the cast of people on the internet that are comparing it to no man's sky. Well, a no man's sky has been out for a hot minute. Right. So since like 2016, um, like it's been out for a minute. I mean, seven years at least. Right. Um, they've added things to do in that game. But the the space dog fighting in that game is not good. Um, and the scanning of planets is actually harder to do in that game than it is in Starfield. Um, you've got to scan an unreal amount of things. Most of the creatures are not interesting. Maybe that's gotten better. I haven't played it in the last couple of updates, right? But a lot of it revolves around finding materials to build your base to inch your way closer and closer to the middle of the universe. And get space credits to gradually upgrade your ship or waiting at an outpost to find the perfect person to talk to to get their ship or learning a language one or two or three words at a time. Um, or getting in the stu stuck in the bottom of holes of things that you've dug out. And it's also a very sim game, right? It's not a bad game. It's a pretty good game, but it's a sim game. It's way different. It does have one major advantage. And then the flight physics in that game are better than Starfield and the planet landing on that is much better than Starfield. And the fact that the planet continues to random gen as you go is better. But what would you do other than scan things to keep continuing to go and then fight the same three robots over and over again, right? Um, or occasionally like spacers or whatever. Um, they're random three or four enemies that you shoot with your weird gun that you got. It's the combat in that game is not great. And the space combat is kind of boring and there's not a lot of upgrades you can do for your ship. So if you're looking for very, really good emergent gameplay, but also very rote emergent gameplay, then that's the game for you too, right? Like it's also kind of a cathartic game. There's nothing driving you. There is no real quest, right? Other than get to the center of the universe. Again, I could be wrong, but I played, you know, a hundred hours of, of No Man's Sky. Uh, up through two updates ago and every single time i have never made it to the center of the universe because i've gotten bored every time i've gotten there or every time i've gotten close because at a certain point you just jump 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 just trying to get further out you know and then go get yourself some grav fuel and then jump 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 right <clears throat> it's a different it's a different type of gameplay starfield is a pretty interactive universe and i was trying to explain to rusty that with so they've got a thousand planets right and they've got let's say 400 star systems or even let's just say it's 100 i don't know right and the count of planets and moons is about the same and in every star system you could have you could have 10 planets that you could land on and have preset markers with preset things to do or you could just land anywhere on a planet so if you land on one of the preset markers you're going to have two or three quests that come up there and you're going to have some dungeons that pop up, which are just facilities that are, you know, have spacers or creatures in it that you can fight. Um, you'll have to deal with the harsh environments of whatever that planet has to offer. And then you'll get loot based on the level of that area. Um, and that's fun. Um, but you could also just land on any planet. And I was telling Rusty, like one of the ways to play this, if you're farming gear, because that is a thing. 
right? Um, and a lot of other games, right? You kind of do the same thing in Diablo. You go back and rerun a dungeon um, because it gave you pretty good loot and it randomized the layout of that dungeon, right? This does the same thing, but in a different way. You land on a random spot on a planet. It generates some points of interest. Some of those are for scanning and some of those are for dungeons. And you know when you look at the icon, this is a point of interest that's going to have things to fight or things to scan. Um, or this is going to be a quest thing, right? It'll say like civilian outpost or mining outpost or something like that or science outpost. And when you get there, it might be abandoned or taken over by a faction or whatever. Um, but that's what kind of drives you on the random stuff. And the random stuff's pretty fun. And like at a higher level, um, if I'm farming gear, one of the things I can do is I can just go to one of these higher level places, um, like a level 70 planet, and I'm going to run into some crazy elite enemies in there that are going to give me some great loot and some great XP. I can also follow the story quests, and the story quests level the in-instance encounters to your level. So I was telling Rusty, like in my speed playthrough, I essentially went a stealth, very like literal, you know, Super Mario world, like speed runs tactic, right? Avoid everything, work your way towards the end of the, uh, you know, the end uh, objective and get your way, like bug out, which is what I did. Even through some of the stuff, like some of the final fights, like I didn't cheese, but basically cheesed, um, loaded up on a bunch of chemicals, made myself very invulnerable. Um, but yeah, like, uh, on this new game plus three, I was a little bit worried. I was like, okay, I'm in level 60 something. I think I was level 60 when I started it. I was like, I hope this isn't level one enemies when I go and do my first major encounter with my first major story quest. And so I went into it and fuck, was it hard because it was leveled to me. And also I, you don't carry gear over with you into another game. So I had whatever I was finding. Now, thankfully, it's leveling the weapons to me. So I've got all the top tier. There's four tiers of weapons. There's not named, right? Basic. You got refined, which is uh, calibrated, which is the next tier, which is tier two. Refined is level three and advanced is level four. So just about anything I fight that's my about my level, like over level 40 drops advanced level gear and all the vendors sell advanced level gear now. So I've been able to kit myself out. Um but that first dungeon was really rough. I'm a level 60 character. I have a lot of different skills. And I got smoked a couple times. Um, and I was like, thank God. Um, I will say if you're pretty good at the combat and these types of games that hard is a pretty good difficulty, which is what I'm playing it on. Um, very hard, which is the top tier difficulty, is a little too bullet spongy. And I don't recommend it because it does, it does produce more elites. But you chew through so much ammo, it doesn't feel like it's worth it. Um, the fights turn into a slog. You don't get more XP. I mean, you do get more XP, but not at the same rate as you do at hard. Like hard is like the perfect calibration for me. So, um, my experience of the game has been pretty enjoyable. I have some huge gripes of the game though, and I'll get those out of the way. Um, the game's still pretty buggy. Um, in that playthrough one, there's, um, something you have to, put in your ship to complete the final mission and I had right before the final mission had decided that I think I'm at the final mission I'm going to uh, I've got a specific ship I want to RP and so I got this ship out and then I changed a bunch of modules around 
um, <laughs> repainted it, like did all this stuff, spent an hour prepping this ship, didn't save before that. And that bugged out me installing the thing I needed to do to get to the end of the game. So I had to use a console command to get past that point so I could finish the first game. Um, second playthrough didn't have that issue, but I had contacted Bethesda support because I was so mad, right? This was just Friday night. And I was like, look, I am here. I can't do the X. And to my understanding, I've got like 10 minutes worth of gameplay left, and I'd love to beat your game. I've got huh. 120 hours in. Huh. And so, and so um, I told them what I did. It's like I had to use this console command. Um, and so they gave me, I did some back and forth. They gave me the basic stuff first, and then finally somebody emailed me back. And they're emailing me back about every hour or two, um, even through the middle of the night. Somebody got back to me early yesterday um, and gave me some PowerShell commands to enter in to fix the game, fix the game and reinstall um, Game Launcher. That was their suggestion. They're like, but you have to do this through PowerShell. Here's how you do it. So you uninstall Game Launcher, reinstall Game Launcher through PowerShell, and then magically everything worked again. Um, and then it re-enabled my achievement, so I got the achievement for beating the game. Um, because that was a concern I'd sent their way. I was like, I had to break the game to get to the final spot so I could see credits. And that was one of my concerns. And so, like I said, through the PowerShell fix they gave me, I got the achievement. I don't know if they did that on the back end or what, but um, they helped me. It was like a back and forth of about 10 emails inside of about about 12 hours. So I, so you know what it's like not to be able to complete a game right when you're right at the beginning, right at the end of the game. Yeah. So I had to wait a day, so I won't make you wait a day. But... Um, they, uh, I was really impressed with the support, you know, Bethesda's gotten this because they've now be <clears throat> become a Microsoft exclusive product. Anybody that plays anything on PlayStation is automatically turned to hating Bethesda. Right. Um, so there's been a lot of mixed issues with this. Like the real issues with this is things like that have happened. Right. Or I've got one quest in the last game that was just completely bugged. I couldn't finish it. Um, I've had a couple of NPCs. Like, not key to the story, but key to side quests, where they would just start floating, and it's like they're getting beamed up into space. And I'd have to, like, exit the area, and then travel back, and then they would be back in their normal spot. Um, there's a weird issue that anytime you start talking to somebody, because all the NPCs are voice that you interact with, their lips will start moving, and the audio catch catches up about a half second later, and then everything after that is lip-synced. Um... There's an issue if you start talking to somebody while they're walking and, you know, you've got a, a trigger to have a conversation with them. They, like, do two steps and then turn their head and talk to you and then do two more steps and then turn their head and talk to you. And they do that in this weird robotic motion and, like, circle you sometimes um, if you talk to them while they're, like, on their way to do something. Um, and I found the best way to get around that is just to get in front of them while they're walking and they'll stop and then turn and then be ready to talk, you know, like a robot. Um, the animation, the facial animations are still off with Bethesda. Um, and the inventory management is a slog. Like they do use the same system they have in all of their games where their vendors all have a limited amount of credits and you have to wait a certain amount of time before those credits refresh In fallout 76. They never refresh until like hours later. I can't remember how long it is, but I want to say it's like two hours before credits refresh. So you hit all the vendors, you fast travel to all across the map, hitting all the vendors. Um, and then you wait real time before that stuff refreshes. 
Um, and in the Fallout games, the same thing would happen, right? There was a certain amount of credits that a vendor had, and then you'd have to wait for 24 hours, and then the credits refresh. Um, the same thing happens here. Um, there is a lot of vendors, usually in a tight amount of space, so you can usually hit all the vendors without having to wait to refresh. If you're a weirdo like me and know that contraband sells for a lot, there's only a very specific vendor that sells that, that buys that stuff. And so I tend to wait 48 hours. Fortunately, the couple of places that I sell my contraband are on a place that the uh, time of the plant, 24 hours of the plant is, is only like four hours of real t- of of universal time is what they call it. So I just have to wait like two seconds and their whole inventory refreshes. Um, like they've done a good job of putting like a bench or something very close to every vendor so you can wait to refresh if that's what you're doing. Um, but it's an, like an unnecessary mechanic. They should just give the NPCs a lot more money. Um, like they want you to buy stuff from them, but like I don't really need anything other than med packs and digipix. So like at a certain point, I don't need to buy shit. Like I just need to sell you a bunch of shit. Um, which then, you know, I'd say 10 hours of my gameplay had to do with like figuring out how to manage like large scale inventory, which had to do with building an outpost and figuring out storage for that. But like so those are like, f- like my gripes are things like that, which are mm-hmm. systems. And some of those are old Bethesda systems. And some of the facial things is something that Bethesda's never been good at. Mm-hmm. Um, but the scope of the game is so big. I was telling you last night, it's like, I don't know how they catch all these bugs when you have like a hundred thousand square kilometers worth of developed game world. Like how do you, how do you bug test that? Even if you had a hundred people, like they're all going to play it way differently. And like, I'm doing completely different things this time around than I did my first playthrough. There is a lot that I skipped unknowingly after, until I figured out, you know, like this is kind of how the planet questing system works. Um, so in a way, like I did faction quests and some side quests and the main quest, my first playthrough, which gave me a cool ending. Um, but there's a lot of side stories that I unknowingly skipped. Um, the, the activities tab, your, your character, this is one thing it does better than Baldur's Gate that I wish Baldur's Gate did. So instead of interacting with every NPC, your character overhears people talking as you're walking around. And then it'll give you a cue in your activities tab to go talk to somebody. And that opens up a side quest. So you don't have to interact with every NPC. It's just like, oh, you overheard that. Or you'll like see a, there's a company that's uh, called Ryujin Industries, um, which it turns into a faction later on. And there was an advertisement playing that said, "You, my activity was apply for a job, right? Which then turned into a multi-hour quest of this faction quest, um, which came with some really... Like, all the faction quests come with incredibly good rewards. Um, they're all worth doing. So, I just... I'm rambling a bit. The game is different than the other games that they've made and in some ways very much the same but if you need a huge sandbox there is not a bigger sandbox game than this i mean that's not just straight pre-gen um it's a uh, random gen straight fucking like, or random gen yeah no that's man's what I meant. yeah like no man's sky or like minecraft or something like that um and there's no rpg that's got this kind of scope um which is why I've been playing it a lot. I'm just, I'm not bored, right? The quality of writing's not, definitely not at the height of Baldur's Gate. Like some people say Larian's strength is not the writing. I felt like they did a really good job on that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is more to do in this game. <laughs> like there literally is 
three times as much to do in this game. I and get to it. And you can do whatever you want in this game. Like I said, I, you could things I would say that you don't do, and then I'll and then I'll get off this soapbox. Um, don't stick with your front. You don't stick with your frontier. It's the space chevette. Um, very like space There is a quest very early on where you get a note that says something like "secret outpost." When you get that, read the note, get that ship, and that'll that'll fill in the stopgap for your space chevette um, for a very long time. Um, don't forget to upgrade your ships, and don't forget to upgrade your piloting skill. Like it makes such a difference. Like upgrading skills that deal with systems on your ship. Um, I can outfly everything at this point. Um, and I'm just using a what is it? I'm using a cultist ship that I modified like fucking crazy. So like. Your space chevette is a piece of shit. Don't don't modify the fuck out of it. You're going to spend way more money than you would than just capturing a cultist or spacer or pirate ship and then just turning it into a beast, which is what I've done. So, anywho, um, it's absolutely my number two game this year. It's not going to be my number one because Baldur's Gate's just way too good. It's it's a better game, um, but this does scratch another itch. And uh, I don't know. I if you're looking for a big sandbox adventure like this, this definitely scratches that itch. Quiet! I want to get to it. God damn it. Uh, but Rusty has a totally different itch to scratch right now. Yeah, look at this. I can feel the tension through the internet. Well, stop talking about the next game I'm gonna play. <laughs> <laughs> Well, y'all, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll be back. And we're back. Oh, my God. Been uh, screwing with Rusty here for the last few minutes, delaying his finale of Baldur's Gate 3. I'm 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 ed- edging. <laughs> He's a ed- ed- edging. <laughs> he uh we're going to talk very slow. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to come <laughs> through the fucking internet, man. I swear. We're too far away. I can talk nope. very slowly. <laughs> All right. That's um it. we uh we do have a little bit of news, though. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, so Phantom Liberty launches, I think, next week. Isn't that right? Uh, yes. So that's something, like, coming up in the next week, you have two pretty big releases. Phantom Liberty, I'm not sure if I'm ready to jump back into Cyberpunk right now, but I'm pretty curious. Um, Phantom Liberty is going to end up being a next year thing for me. Yeah. And it is a DLC, and I, and so I want to play Liza P, which comes out next <clears throat> week as well on Game Pass as well, which is nice. Um, but Phantom Liberty does draw more PC power. And so on some people's CPUs, they are saying that um, it can potentially overheat your CPU. <laughs> so there is a Only- release from the developer that said... Please check conditions of your cooling systems in PC. We use all of what you have, so workload on CPU 90% on 8-core is expected, so on 8-core. 
Said, to save your time, please run Cinebench or similar and check stability of systems. So if you have an eight if you have an eight core CPU, um, they're saying you should benchmark it to see how it does with your cooling, um, which I think is pretty smart, right? I don't know if that's eight cores or eight virtual cores. Um, I can't imagine playing this on a four core with four mm -hmm. emulated cores. So I'd imagine this is an eight core. I'm on a twelve core, so I'm not horribly worried. It's so that's the thing. The the only people that's going to you know that's going to affect is people who haven't built their own PCs. Because <laughs> if you're a builder, you you probably benchmarked it after you built it. Yeah, and you've probably um, got a stupid cooling solution. Like, see, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I have eleven fans on mine. Yeah, um, I've I've got ten. So. <laughs> Like, and I've got it set so the airflow um, shoots out the top. So, like, it vents out the top and out the back. Um, yep. So, like, because, you know, hot air rises, so that made the most sense to me. Yeah, it's... it's and it it's, made more sense to not create positive pressure to shoot it out the little bitty back hole. So, I created all the pressure to shoot it out the top and the back. Um, and I never... I haven't run into any overheating issues ever. Like, I was actually surprised that that... Uh, Lee and Lee case vents as well as it does with it having three sides completely covered. It's just, yeah. it has three other sides that are not covered at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the Lee and Lee uh, freaking fishbowl of a case is... Uh, it only really has two sides, right? The front and the side that are completely covered, and then part of the right. other side's uncovered, so you can... That's where I have one of the intakes is on the side and on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it's got a, it's got an inside, it's got an intake on the side that's typically the back of your case where the cable management is, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and I have mine inverted, so for me, it's on the front's left side that I have my intake, so you can see all the inner workings of it. I've thought about reflipping it again and then putting it on the up on top, so you can see the side wing. But if you do that, then you can't see it at all. Right. It's. I like the inverted look. You have the inverted, you know, you had the inverted kit, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, mine's perfectly fine right where it's at. It's a nice space heater over there when I'm playing games like this right now. Yeah, it does. Um, it heats up the whole living room. But basically what that, what that statement means is just make sure you've got enough cooling if you've got anything older than a, than a, uh, 10th gen Intel. Uh, I don't. CPU. I don't know. I mean, I'm running the 9th gen, so. It's going to be perfectly fine. I mean, I've got an AIO on it that's, you know, it's, it's running cool, uh, <laughs> even at max load. So, you know, it's. It, it's. If you're. If you run into problems with, uh, you know, with overheating, then you need to look into a, a cooling solution anyway. And if you are a novice at it, look up some, uh, you know, uh, cheap fan cooling. It doesn't take very much at all to, you know, to swap out a uh, uh, a stock cooler with, you know, like a, a tower air cooler. Yeah, or just something to the big. Right there is going to, you know, that's going to do what you need it to do. 
Like if you can afford it, get a radiator with a Noctua fan on it. If you can't afford it, go with like an Arctic Cool or something like that. Yeah, Arctic Cool will be fine. And you know, as long as it's a you know a tower, you're just looking for more surface area to dissipate the heat. <laughs> and make and, sure you measure to make sure it'll fit in your case. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. that block can be pretty tall. The dimensions are pretty crazy. Or you could just leave the side of the case off if you, if you absolutely need to. I mean, people have built this shit in fucking cardboard cans and or cardboard boxes and, you know, milk crates, for crying out loud, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got this large-ass fucking Noctua tower, double tower cooler on my 9900K, and I've never gone above 60. Honestly, too, like, you don't have to get the most expensive case fans either. Like, a, no. a lot of that has to do with the amount of noise and what your tolerance is for it. And it depends on, like, how close you're – it depends on your use case, right? Like, let's say you're a more responsible adult than me and Rusty, right? And you have kids, and the only time you can game is, like, Jason at, like, 10 o'clock at night when everybody's asleep, and he's worried about making noise or the fans making noise. And he's in a perfectly quiet room and doesn't wear headphones, you can probably hear really cheap fans. Um, and in some cases, some graphics cards have a pretty gnarly quill wine. But in most cases, I can't ever hear my fans. And I have to look to see if the fans turned on. Um, part of that is I run an, you know, an air, an air uh, purifier in the room that makes some ambient noise. And even the ambient noise from that drowns out anything that my PC is doing. I have to have my house completely silent with the air not running or anything going on. And I have to be a, a couple of feet from my PC to hear that it's on. So, like, and I've got fairly inexpensive case fans. I think I spent, like, $20 a three-pack or something like that. I did not do the knock. I did do knock to a case fans. Like, they do move more air. Um, but they're, like, what, $35 a fan or something like that. Uh, I had to get like I, the, I had to get like twelve of them, so <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> I got the Lee and Lees. Oh, uh, those are pretty expensive. Those are fucking expensive, they're, but they're nice to put in. Oh my god! Like I hope they never die because I mean they're fucking easy to easy as hell to put in. Yeah, mine this, weren't that hard. Like together, these are just four screws and. The screws are the same color as the fans. You can't see them. It's not. It's not the screws, honestly. It's the cabling, especially for RGB. You've got twice as many fucking cables on those. Mine go to so. I'm not going to get sidebar too much, but mine goes to an, an RGB controller that's not hardwired into the board. So for mine, I have a remote that controls all the RGB in my. PC except for the case RGB, which I kind of leave it a neutral color most of the time. And uh, I just let it... Honestly, I thought I would use it a lot more now. It's just a pure white case all the time. That's what mine is. It's all pure white. Um, the you know, My next build will probably be a blackout build. I want to do a build that is absolutely zero RGB. Um, the older I get, the less yeah. I care about it. Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, I've already had my uh, my uh, my FPS boost from the RGB stuff. So. Hey, your your fucking nerdy disco ball. Yep, I had my nerdy disco ball. My fucking rainbow puke, fucking uh, you know, unicorn fart. So, so something else has happened though. Um, 
So 4070 is a pretty powerful card, but the RX 780 XT, the the Radeon comparison, is oh yeah, the 7800. Yeah, is pretty inexpensive, and so that there's speculation that that extra cheapness has been making those fly off the shelves faster than the Nvidia card. So right now you can get a 4700 right now for 550. I mean that's not bad if you're looking for just enough to be able to do, you know, it'll outperform all last gen cards. Yeah, if if you're just you know trying to get something up and running, that's gonna be perfectly fine. I mean <laughs> that'll run almost everything on max settings. Yeah, you, you and I mean if you're not looking for something that's gonna run a fucking you know 4K television and 120 fucking frames per second, you're you. You're going to be okay. But it'll run a lot of stuff at 4K 120, though, already. Like, the 4070 is still pretty beastly. I mean, yeah, but, you know. Like, I, I bet I it outperforms your card. It probably... I don't know. Uh, it might be close. Because... Um, uh, I don't know. It'd be better than what I've got in my laptop. Yeah. But my laptop was playing perfect, you know, playing Dark Tide perfectly fine. Like, you know, I don't, I didn't need it to do anything more than it was. I'm looking for about 60 on just about anything I'm playing. You know, I'm not, you know, a competitive fucking, like, CSGO player or whatever, you know. Um, I, I'm looking for about 60. Anything more than that is a little overkill. Uh, and I'm looking for steady frames. Uh, I think that that card, with that price, you're going to get steady frames. I'm yeah, not a big I'm, fan of... I'm just looking know, through like a lot of different quick benchmark sites just trying to find a good comparison. Yeah. And so looking at this from PC World, it says the RTX 4070 Ti gets up to... On Cyberpunk 2077, the 4070 Ti gets up to 120, 102 FPS at 1440p, which beats the regular RTX 3090's 90 FPS. So about 8 to 10% better in that particular game. Okay. I'm going to keep this 3090 until it dies. I don't, I don't blame you. It's, it was an expensive-ass <laughs> card, and it took us forever to get those. Right. <laughs> it also uses a whole lot less power than the 3090 as well. Yeah. It's just the next gen technology, but like if you've if you're looking to upgrade your PC, like forty seventy is a fucking beast, especially at that price. Well, I'm gonna see what the next uh, uh, what the next generation is gonna be like. And I probably won't upgrade then. I'll probably skip a generation for upgrade again. Oh well, yeah, I mean that's honestly, in our opinion, that's probably the best way to do it. I mean, <laughs> and I made a big jump, right? Like I went from what a ten seventy to a thirty eighty. Yeah. And then, because I was recently single and had more money than I knew what to do with, I went ahead and spurged and got a 4090. And you're perfectly fine. I'm way I'm, more than fine. I'm, you know, I'm, o I'm okay with what I've got right now. Um, and that's still, you know, it's, it's still going to be able to chew through a lot of games. Like, I'm not having, you know, very many problems with you know, was playing anything. And I'm only playing at 1440, so, I mean, 1440 are ultra-wide, but still. Right. Um, yeah, so, 
Um, speaking of new releases, though, um, so one of the world, the like 2021 or 2020, I can't remember. Let's say it's 2021's most okay game was MechWarrior 5. Um, it was its okayest game, which got a lot better with DLCs and got a hell of a lot better with mods. Um, so I've put a, a stupid amount of hours into that game. Well, the Prana, Prana Games, or is it Prana Bytes? I can't remember. They're doing another MechWarrior game, so it'll be MechWarrior 5. Um, what is it called? Intersphere? No. Clans. And it'll be going through, like, the old mechs, so it'll be an earlier chapter in the MechWarrior universe. So, like, all the iconic mechs, like the Mad Cat, you know... And stuff like that are going to be part of this universe. So, like the Smoke Jaguar, um, right, which is something you didn't see in the other game because it was further along in the lore. Um, but anyway, like they're going to be doing another game in that universe at an earlier point. It'll be a standalone game. It'll still be called Mech Warrior Five. Um, from my understanding, that's something that's happened before with Mech Warrior. Um, so I look forward to see what they do. I hope their voice acting and their quest get better. Um, no. The moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is good. The questing was pretty rote. Um, but it is really fun to drive a mech and shoot things. Um, it is an easy time waster game, but it is... I don't know. It, like They do good with all of the like nuts and bolts of that game. It's just what's pushing you forward that kind of sucks. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that we wanted to talk about a little bit because Rusty's in the middle of upgrading, um, mm -hmm. is that iPhone 15 Pro is going to run some modern games, which is really weird. Um, tell yes. us a little bit more about that. Oh my God. So, um, especially since I'm the, not an Apple guy, the, uh, the, the Apple, uh, the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max for those people like me that are dumb, um, they it has some uh, some some pretty big chops and pretty uh, and pretty uh, pretty bold claims. Uh, one of the claims is is that it's got the power to be able to uh, to run uh, the Resident Evil remake and which was uh, there was another Resident Evil game that it was uh, uh, four uh, touting Re uh, Resident Evil four yeah as well as you know. Uh, as well as some other games uh that uh, <laughs> that I would never play um like Genshin Impact and stuff like that at you know at you know at decent frame rates but one of the you know the that's that's big those are fucking big full title games that is you know going to be able to run natively on the iPhone not actually like streamed or anything like that that's going to be on the phone itself um so that's that is a lot of uh a lot of power for a phone you know chip the phone chip also has uh the ability to do uh some limited ray tracing uh which is <laughs> which was uh which was a big fun joke that we were talking about throughout the uh throughout the day as the uh, uh after the announcement is that my phone has ray tracing um, right, but 
there's uh there's a lot more technical specs i don't have all the technical specs right up in front of me but i could definitely find them i'm gonna need to know them uh because uh yeah i'd like to look at some people do benchmarking on it just to see what it what it actually does well, i'd imagine they're running a lot of this stuff at a pretty reduced resolution which is why they're able to get away with some of it i don't know uh and you're probably going to want to look at the people who do like hardware you know hardware testing online uh to be able to get you know good numbers as to how they're doing that honestly looking at the interface of of playing those games you're going to be looking past your thumbs anyway unless you have a gamepad bluetooth to your uh to your phone uh and i don't know how how well i even really care whether or not it has ray tracing on your net on a phone i have this um there was a point where i was traveling a little bit for work and i'm going to be at this point again at some point um where i had this little clip that clipped my phone horizontally and then it clipped mm -hmm. to an xbox controller and i was playing emulated emulated games that i own um on on my phone um to pass the time in between stuff so like when i go back to my hotel or whatever i did that like right. the first time i was traveling for work a long time ago i had a gaming laptop but that gaming laptop is 10 years too old at this point it wouldn't run jack shit um and the battery swelled um like it's it's beyond dead i need it right i can't even boot it up to erase it so i don't know what to do with it um but yeah, like the, uh, it's an interesting proposition. I can see certain people who are kind of gamer light. A lot of my colleagues at work are similar age or a little bit younger than me. And I'm probably the biggest gamer aside from like my boss's boss, who's a huge gamer too. Um, that would be like, oh, that's really neat. I can play Resident Evil, right? And they would play like a single game like that occasionally on their phone. Um, right. And then well, you is... got people like me and my boss's boss that are like big into like full feature RPGs and stuff. So like, it wouldn't appeal to. I would not want to be playing Baldur's Gate on my phone. No, and and I don't think you're gonna see that anytime soon. But the you know there are some really good um, mobile gaming experiences um, that look you know look great you know and having a phone that's able to process that. Uh, at a decent frame rate uh, and, you know, be nice and bright with a good display. Uh, that's something that people do look for. Uh, I, I give it a little bit of shit because it's one of those uh, those uh, those things that you don't, you it, know, that I don't necessarily use very often. It's, it's something that PC gamers and console gamers like ourselves sneer at the, the fact of, uh, oh, it's mobile gaming. I've got a Steam Deck, <laughs> you know, like... Fuck your phone. I got a I got I've got a, I've got a Steam Deck. I've got a handheld laptop here. Right. I've got a surface. Yeah, the, the um the thing is, is with this is it's a uh it's the A17 Pro uh which is the chip that's you know that's in the uh you know in the new iPhone uh Pro. Uh and it has a dedicated GPU. It has, you know, uh, some more dedication towards ray tracing. It's faster, uh, has neural engine. Uh, it's like two times faster neural engine, so it can do more with, you know, with all the cores that it's doing. 
Um, and from the marketing information that I'm seeing here, it's the GPU is 70% faster than the iPhone 12 Pro, which, I mean, that's a couple generations back. So it's kind of like saying my, uh, my 3090 is about, you know, 120% faster than a 1080, you know? Well, <laughs> so, and, and uh, I'm sorry, until, until it actually comes out and I see independent testing, I don't hardly ever believe I'm a Apple's little bit skeptical, like because they're all arbitrary, right? Um, like I, I can get away with a lot. A little bit of a difference here because I have uh, I, I have been challenged by my uh, by my coworker to uh, to uh, become an Appleite. Yeah, fuck that. Uh, so I bought a iPhone 15 Pro Max and an Apple Watch. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, on <laughs> so the Series Nine Apple Watch is also coming. Uh, without you know, it was announced at the same time as the iPhone 15 Pro. Um, one of the things that was preventing me from doing the iPhone 15, as small as this may sound is i hated the cable architecture i don't like having to have like a special iphone cable just to be able to charge and do shit yeah and, lightning sucks and uh them going to USB-C was not necessarily the only reason why i considered it but it was a big uh it made it made it easier for me to change over to it um what it, what it really is is i have been android for so long that um i want to see what it's like on the other side and iphones keep their value so if i decide i don't like it i can go back to my android and sell the iphone <laughs> um but but uh, you're gonna open yourself up to ship for six months i i i appreciate the sacrifice you're making sir and yeah. know that the shit is coming yes i i i i, I can't fucking wait to relearn how to use some you know some basic technology um but that just means that i will have my hands on it i will be able to provide you with a first hand you know uh first hand review while i may not do a whole lot of gaming i might give it a little bit of a try now that they're uh that they've got some claims out there for uh uh for this and uh, see how you know, see how it fares. I mean, why wouldn't I put it through its paces if I've got it available, right? You gotta play some Genshin Impact. I would never. I would never. <laughs> I need my anime bay. Um, <clears throat> my waifu attack mod. Um, right. But yeah, that's that's gonna be a thing. Uh, the uh, uh, the iPhone. Um, or the the Apple Watch. Uh, if, if you haven't watched the uh, the reveal for for it, there's like you can you can kind of like skim through or watch somebody's uh, uh, you know ten minute YouTube fucking you know digest of it, uh, which I actually recommend because uh, carbon neutral is a thing that they repeat multiple times over and over again. <clears throat> but. Uh, yeah, like the, they deserve a fucking gold star for it. 
they had they had a whole Mother Nature skit in the middle of the fucking show. It was uh, it was it was of course they cringy. did because it was very you know, cringy. Papa Tim over at Apple's just turned it into a fucking weird ass fucking company. So yeah, but uh, I've been looking at maybe possibly wearing a uh, you know like a, a health monitor, like a Fitbit or something like that. This you know the watch happens to be. Basically that plus a where the fuck is my iPhone binder and a bunch of other shit. Um, there's a gimmick. This the new gimmick for this uh, for the the Series Nine watch is a feature called Double Tap. And uh, Double Tap is if you just like tap your uh, your index and your thumbs you know, thumb together twice. That's the uh, that's the gesture for double tap, and that controls things on your watch. It recognizes that gesture, and uh, like if somebody calls you, you can just tap your fingers together, and it will uh, it'll answer the call. And I'm and I'm like, oh my god, that's gonna be a, the new sign for shut up here real soon. <laughs> You're just gonna double tap your fingers together and it'll be like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> so uh yeah, I can't wait to play around with this uh with this new thing. It there there is there there was a thing though. Um when I hit the buy button, a little bit of me died. I mean you can just let us know. I'm I'm really against the ability to I'm against the ecosystem the internal ecosystem that is Apple, oh, especially with, I, yeah, like with iTunes and all of those other things, because it drives me nuts. It's a lot of times that I rip CDs and put the songs on my phone, right? Mm -hmm. Or I have, I've had an Amazon music subscription for years now. Um, and that lets you download for free, um, well, for free, for a fee, right? A flat fee, right. everything. And I don't lose like Apple, if you don't listen to something for a while, it just auto deletes off your phone, so you have to reinstall it or re-download it. Do that, huh? You don't have to do that. You can set that. Well, if you figure it out, let me know because it's driving my dad bonkers. Because he's got <laughs> fifty gigs worth of music that he downloads, and then a month later, like half of it's gone. Well, it depends on the download service he uses, but still, um, iTunes. Uh, it's iTunes. It's probably just a license thing. Which is stupid, right, but but the thing the, with um, the cloud and the way that it handles pictures and trying to move those pictures into an environment where you can edit it outside of the Apple ecosystem is bullshit too. So like it's just there's a lot of bullshit with that environment that I just won't deal with. I, I get that. That was another uh, was, was probably one of the biggest reasons why I did not go uh, to Apple from uh, from Android a while ago. And this is really just kind of a trial run. I need to know. Uh, I, I can look at it and bolt, you know, and and give it as much shit as I want to from the outside in, um, but I won't actually know the pain of it until I experience it. So while it was more than a paycheck to experience it, as far as price is concerned, because of course you pay, uh, pay the Apple tax for everything Apple. Um, uh, it is, it's one of those things that I will 
not only was I challenged challenged outside uh, to do this, but I also want to challenge myself to learn it as well to be better about you know some of the consumer technology that I deal with on a daily basis. So it'll be fun. It's just going to be expensive fun, and I'm I'm no stranger to that. Besides, my my phone's starting to fuck up anyway, and I want to throw it out a window. I mean, your <laughs> OnePlus getting old there, buddy. No, my my OnePlus is it's um I I've noticed some problems with the camera, like the camera sucks on this thing, um and the uh, the I can't keep my network like right now. I have uh I have about half signal where I'm at, but most of the time if I'm you know sitting here in front of the microphone, my uh uh the antenna on on the inside of the thing will die and it'll, and I have to restart the phone just to get it to go. So, it's I think there's something wrong with the with the image. I've got to root it and I don't want to do that with the you know with my daily driver. So, once I get the new phone, I can root this one and see what I, you know, you know, see what I can do to fix it. But yeah. Um so I am a, a budding Appleite. You you have a uh I have I have to wait three to four weeks to get the damn phone, but I'll have the watch probably sometime in the next week or two. I get the otter box for it tomorrow. <laughs> damn. So I'll have the I'll have the box, uh, the uh, the case here for it well before I get the phone. But titanium. I'm done. I want to get back to Baldur's Gate three and you know and eat. You're the, you've been the one. You've been the one that's. I've just let you go. I'm I'm done you're, now. I, I am, you I'm sure you don't got another Apple. comment about why you become part you of the what? Apple Apple you know overlords? What? You know what? No. I don't. Well, we're at a good place well, to stop. Speaking of, speaking of being able to play games. Oh, yeah, we do have one, one last th- news story real quick. God damn it. Um, <laughs> so earlier this week, uh, Unity di- uh, released news that they were changing their terms of service uh, and adding a runtime fee. Um <laughs> To the two engine tiers, right? So historically, they've had two tiers. Unity Personal slash Unity Plus, which basically is intended for small developers and personal use, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then they've got Unity Pro or Unity Enterprise um, uh, for, you know, your big game studios, etc. The new uh, fee thresholds ran like this. Unity Personal slash Plus, basically, after after your game has made 200,000 USD or more in the last 12 months, or it, and it has at least 200,000 lifetime game installs. Ooh. They start taking 10%, they want 10% the of the revenue that game has made. It's ridiculous. 
What? what? Unity Pro or Unity Enterprise, that threshold is up at a hundred or is it up at one million USD in the last twelve months or one million lifetime game installs. They want ten percent. Okay, so, so this is this being so a lifetime. If, so if you hated a developer that uses Unity and you want to um, uh, vote with your wallet, you could just uninstall and install the game. Now, since then, they've come back and said, well, we've got trackers for that, so it's going to be per new device or... Um, you know how easy yep. it is to change the fucking device name and, uh, and right. information about that? Yeah, do it on database. Um, or we've got, or even virtual machines. Yeah. You know how exactly. many virtual machines I could create in Windows? I could create uh, a bot that does that. Uh, fucking you know, automate. things like that. So, um, I mean, yes. this could potentially really screw a lot of developers. So there's another thing that's being kind of washed over here, and you, and you said it twice in your dis, uh, in your description. Lifetime installs, which means this change that they're that they're you know putting through right now is a fee change that will affect games that have already come out and already lived their life on Unity. They're so, trying to say it only applies to new installs. But no, I saw something that said it applied to past installs too. Yes, because yeah. it's li uh, because it's part of the lifetime installs of a game. Those uh those um yeah, they they keep trying to backtalk it in some way that it's not going to uh for for small developers uh, uh, affect uh, um, existing past installs, but there's no way they can do that with the way that they have the terms of service written. Right, but there's, there's a... They, to deepen the plot point, mm -hmm. they went and deleted the entire GitHub repository for the terms of service and changes to those terms of service. So there is no for, uh, previous, uh, there's no previous versions of the service service anymore. Yep. Wonderful. So this is the way it's going to be from that point forward. Yeah. I guarantee you they've got it backed up someplace, but still. Um. So this is this is affecting a lot of you know a lot of things. So for instance, those publishers that don't want to, uh, you know, don't want to end up be being fucking you know, charged out the fucking wazoo because of, you know, of installs, right? Um, they can be charged for people just installing the game, not necessarily buying the game. So that means that, you know, if somebody was malicious, they could actually, you know, cause that company to have a large bill with Unity just by fucking over, you know, by doing that over and over again. Uh, so that's financial griefing. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, uh, there's a number of, you know, times where, you know, these games go for free 
or they go for a, a low cost. Like I think, you know, think games that you know that show up on fucking, you know, Game Pass or uh, uh, or you know, you know, Epic Game Store for free and stuff like that, right? Well, you have to think also. Um, <sighs> games that are just outright fucking like you know, viral hits. They're going to end up getting a bill like later on for something that happened a long time ago. I mean, those developers have probably reinvested that money into a new project or spent it or whatever. What happens to the, you know, to that small indie company that had a viral game that came out on unity and, uh, and, uh, now they're going to get a fucking, you know, $5 million bill or whatever in the fucking, you know, in the mail. Hey, your, your, your game was successful. We want our cut now. You know, years later. So, I mean, there, there are a bunch of... Uh, I think it's just not fair uh, because companies didn't budget for that, you know? Right. And it's not, like the money might already be spent at this point. So you're going to send me a bill for $5 million? And that's just uh that's just the thing. Like they weren't that wasn't part of the you know, the original agreement at the time that they created the game on that, you know, on that engine. This is a terms of service change that is retroactive, you know, in a way. I don't even know that how that's legal. It doesn't it, it doesn't feel right. I mean, it's gummy the way that they you know, that they came out and said it, but the way that they go about the lifetime install thing and the fact that it could be uh you know retroactive or enforced retroactively even even if it's not retroactively there's still the possibility of you know of um you know a new kind of review bomb that actually puts you know companies under as a result like a couple different studios like Azure and Voodoo are um, turning off all of the uh, uh, Unity ads and monetization uh, column for reversal. Uh, you've got several indie developers uh, that are um, currently trying to uh, port their games to... Um, to other engines, uh, something that starts with it. Well, it's it's because now, yeah. even if they go back on the decision, they're at a point right now where if that happens, it puts a lot of people out of business. So all development on Unity stops, right? And people that are still in business with their games are like, what other solution can I use? I'd rather spend the money now up front to use a different engine and try to port it over than be faced with those install fees. It's like a full stop. It doesn't matter if they don't ever do it. Like, they've just caused a major rift in indie gaming. Like, it's such a greedy-ass move. And you got to think about, like, like things like Seven Days to Die. Like, there's not, a, there's not a lot of new players, but that game's been ongoing for a while and probably will continue to be ongoing. I bet that <laughs> delays their next alpha by a while. Mm. As they port to yet another engine. So, I mean, it's just a shitty move, and 
we'll see what the full fallout from it is. It's not going to be, um, you know, we're not really going to know the full fallout till all of the dust settles. But um, so we'll be keeping an eye on this as yeah like, more news comes out from it. Yeah, the developer behind Fault uh, of the Lamb, uh, massive monster. Yeah, uh, not a big developer. Been, they're not a big developer, um, and they're being, you know, they're they're being directly uh, threatened by this. Like the, they're they've gone so far as to you know to put out a a tweet that says "Buy Cult of the Lamb now" because we're deleting it on January first. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. I hope it doesn't go through. I mean, I hope they rethink this. But big shit, man. Big shit. Can I play games now? I suppose. I guess we can let you. I can finally so, beat the game. Yay! So with that, guys, find a, uh, find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash TiltCast. And search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends to show you got For the Love of Gaming. You've got BMFCast.com, Pupcast are picking up the pixels, and TVGP.TV. They also play Baldur's Gate. And with that, they it's the end of the show. They probably beat it. <laughs> All right. All right. Peace. Peace.